Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, another crazy day for marijuana stocks and the highly unusual way that Fox and Comcast plan to settle their European takeover battle. But first, taxes. When Republicans passed their massive tax cut plan late last year, they thought it was a surefire political winner, the sort of thing that would ensure they keep the Senate and probably the House, too, and maybe even bump up President Trump's approval ratings by a couple points. After all, who doesn't like keeping a bit more of their take home? Plus, there were all those stories about companies cutting $1,000 bonus checks because of the tax cuts, and businesses promised to use some of the savings to increase wages and hire more people. Yeah, sure, there were folks concerned about long-term issues like ballooning deficits, but that's really a beltway conversation. For mom-and-pop America, this was supposed to be electoral catnip. But we're now less than seven weeks out from the midterm elections, and Republicans are feeling whiplash. The tax cuts, in short, aren't popular. The real clear polling average for them is just 39% approve and 42% disapprove. We don't know for sure why that is, but it probably has something to do with how wage growth hasn't risen anywhere nearly as fast as corporate profits or stock prices have risen, with lots of the savings being used for things like share buybacks that only benefit a relatively select few. Just to repeat, most Americans wish tax cuts didn't happen, even though they are the signature Republican legislative accomplishment since Trump took office. And as you'd imagine, Democrats have taken notice and are using this in their campaigns. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on tax cuts and other things DC with Axios executive editor, Mike Allen. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent, Ina Fried, shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by Axios executive editor, Mike Allen. So Mike, on tax cuts, this was kind of the big Republican accomplishment last year, legislatively. How did they seem to maybe get the electoral math so wrong? This is definitely the Department of Unintended Consequences. So, Dan, I could remember so clearly going around to Republican operatives who were going to be involved in these midterm races, and they were saying, if we didn't have the tax cut, we would be so screwed. The tax cut is going to be everything as we head into November 2018. They said, if you can tell me how the tax cut is going to play... I could tell you how we're going to do in the House races. That has come back to bite them in a massive way. Sorry, that's probably not a great visual, but it definitely is the case. Correct me if I'm wrong about this. We're not talking about everywhere, right? Like this isn't necessarily playing badly in certain kind of traditionally Republican districts. Am I correct saying this is more in toss up places like in the Northeast and California, particularly where voters might be getting a property tax hit related to this? No, that's the massive turn in this. And surprise was the impetus for your and my conversation about this is that it's hitting worst in the places that you mentioned. But Dan, just to get your pro rata listeners up to speed on how this issue has played, it's unpopular everywhere. If you look at the real clear politics average of how people feel about the Trump Republican tax reform plan, they call it when they ask them about it. It's underwater. It's more unpopular than it is popular. And that's something that no one had anticipated. And the turn in this was way back in March. This has never worked for them. In March, when they had that special election in Pennsylvania, where Democrat, now Congressman Connor Lamb, won, that was where 
journalists first realized, wait a minute, we went to Republicans and we said your ads aren't about the tax cut like you've been telling us for months and months they were going to be. And it's because it wasn't working. It's because it's been unpopular in so many places because the idea has caught on that it benefited rich people more than it did working class people. But here's the twist. And here's the surprise. Is the rich people that we're supposed to benefit from it? They're exactly the places that live in the suburbs that you were talking about of states where this really bites them. So I sat at breakfast the other day with someone who has voted Republican all his life. And and he told me Donald Trump is the guy who gave him a tax increase. Let me play GOP spinmeister for a quick minute, which would say a lot of folks, these taxes, the property cut hit, they're not people aren't going to actually feel that until next April when they actually have to pay their taxes and realize it. So this November, while your friend might have already done his math on what he's going to have to pay, most people haven't yet. And the Democrats are overstating the impact here. Why is that wrong? Well, your listeners always think ahead. So you're right about the fact that people won't know for sure until next year what they're going to pay more. But this AP story, which was very smart about the political dynamics of it, pointed out that Democrats now, they're not going to wait. They're promoting the narrative that this cap will hurt taxpayers in these key states. And I can tell you that taxpayers and a lot of the year of listeners have already figured out that that's right. I said these were unintended consequences. But the funny thing is these weren't unforeseen consequences. This story points out that in New Jersey, every Republican in the House delegation, except one, voted against it. They knew it was coming. They knew our people, whatever Republicans we have in New Jersey, they pay a lot of state and local taxes. And this is going to bite them. And they were right. We've got seven weeks until the midterms for on this particular issue. And look, obviously, there's a lot of other issues coming, including Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. But on this particular issue, is there anything Republicans, particularly in places like Jersey and California and New York, upstate New York, is there anything they can do about this at this point? Or or is this the cart they've tied themselves to and, and they'll either you know win the race or go over the cliff? No, what they'll argue is that if you look at what tax reform has helped do for the economy, and if you look at the optimism and the confidence that's out there, that all of this, you're much better off because Republicans are in office is what they will argue. I had different breakfast with House Republican operative, and I said to him, what is your best case scenario? Because it's very hard these days to find a Republican who will predict to you that they are going to keep the House. The reason I've gone out on a limb and made so clear my prediction expectation that Democrats are going to take control of the House, we probably will once again have Speaker Pelosi. And I base that almost purely on what Republicans say, that Republicans think that they don't have this. But I asked this House Republican, what is your best case scenario? Like what gives you the best chance of hanging on? And he's got a pretty nice office and he would not if he had a Speaker Pelosi. And his number one thing was he said, if we could get the president to stay on message on the economy and immigration. So that was very illuminating. That's a huge if. Yes. Anytime you're starting a sentence with, we're hoping the president will stay on message on, you could go ahead and probably vote the other way uh, with your money in Vegas. But the point is that the healthy economy is their number one message. They thought the tax cut might be a proxy for that. Now they're having to argue the economy in spite of the tax cut. That's the massive change here. Mike Allen, executive editor of Axios, thanks so much for joining us. Dan, thanks for the great success of ProRata. I love your guests, love your coverage, love listening. Thank you to Axios executive editor Mike Allen. My final two in a moment. 
Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter, faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up has been Wall Street's wild ride for marijuana stocks. So on Tuesday, we had Brendan Kennedy on the podcast just after his company Tilray received DEA approval to import some medical marijuana from Canada for use in certain clinical trials. Since then, the company's value has doubled. Yeah, in in less than two days, really, closing yesterday with a $20 billion valuation. In fact, trading was so volatile that Tilray shares had to be repeatedly halted by the New York Stock Exchange. And now, it's around 11 a.m. on Thursday, the stock is way down, off around 8%. The bottom line here is that cannabis is a real emerging industry, and it's going to expand, both in the U.S. and internationally. But these stock fluctuations, which are getting all sorts of headlines, are mostly about speculation, not underlying fundamentals or even reasonable optimism. If you're a day trader and you're trading this, you've got to be high. And finally, there's going to be a major auction in London this weekend, not at a place like Christie's or Sotheby's, but rather the UK takeover panel, which is basically Britain's antitrust authority. The prize here is Sky, a massive European broadcaster valued at about $35 billion which has been the subject of a takeover battle between 21st Century Fox and Comcast. So here's how it'll work. If neither side has made what's called a best or final offer by Friday at 5 p.m. London time, and neither is expected to do so, each of those two companies will submit private all-cash bids to a third-party arbiter. There can be up to three rounds of bidding, with the winner to be declared by the end of day Saturday. So no, this isn't how things normally work in Britain. In fact, the UK takeover panel has only done this a few times before and never with the company so large. But by the time everyone gets back to work on Monday, we will finally know how this months long media mega merger plays out. And we're done. Thanks so much for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great National String Cheese Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.